the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. Three, two. <laughs> this is so much pressure. Three, two, one. It's your boy Billy Bakatit with another episode. And today in studio, we have Michelle Osi. Una chomp. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. It's Osia. You had one job, Billy. You had one job. Osia. Yeah. It's Michelle Osia. It's Osia. I, I told you this intro thing. Imagine. If we roll, if you mess up, you just roll. It's what I... It's your boy, Billy Bagatet with another episode. And today, so we have two lovely guests with me. The first one is Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> No, this one, add it, add it, add it to the podcast. This one must be there. Continue! <laughs> the first... <laughs> so our first guest is Michelle Osia in Circus University in New York, who went to Bunyore Girls, I must mention. She says it's the Alliance of Western Kenya, <laughs> who does a major in information management with a concentration in cybersecurity and a minor in computer science. And my other guest is Boniface Charlo, who's in Lehigh University studying economics and makes music as his hobby. I mean, I wish I was that talented to actually have a hobby that would probably bring me money and so much joy. And so we'll even start with your music career, Charlo. Was it a coping mechanism? And now that we're talking about mental health, for you, was it a coping mechanism? Did you ever know you could sing? And please give us a bit of your background with mental health, even from high school. Were you, do you always, did you know you had a mental health issue? Do you have a mental health issue? And yes, sir. Okay, um, as Billy said, my name is Boniface Shallow. I go to Lehigh. And um, yeah, it's actually, music to me was actually a coping mechanism. And I'll talk a bit in, just, I'll have to give you some context on it. Um... Oh, I never knew that I had ADHD and um, I was never diagnosed before this. Um, somewhere during the quarantine, I got really, really bored. And I was like, you know, what can I do to make myself happy? Um, some context, I'm an extrovert, a full-blown extrovert. And this quarantine forced us to be alone. It's a new thing to me because growing up, I've always been around people. In high school, I was always around people. When I go back home, I'm around people. So in a situation to be put in a situation where I'm alone, I had to learn things about myself. And um, one day I was sitting down, I was like, oh, I see people going online and finding beats and doing stuff and posting them. Why don't I do that? It seems fun. And uh, that's why I got a hyper focus, which is an ADHD symptom where you find something that, you know, catches your attention and you enjoy it. You will stick on it without thinking of other things. So that's how music to me, I came to discover it because I found that every time I go online and try to look at music stuff, I will stay there for hours. So that's why I picked up music. And for you, Michelle, I like the perspective that Shala has brought up with, you know, with the pandemic, we've been forced to sit with our thoughts, thoughts that we'd uh, previously repress or suppress, things that we normally would do on our face. So for you, what was your experience like in the pandemic, in high school, with mental health? And really, what is mental health? Uh, for me, mental health... I can't really define what mental health is. It comes up in a different spectrum for me compared to Chalo. For me, I am, I don't know. I don't, I don't like talking about stuff. I still don't know how to talk about stuff that really affect me until I get to a point where I sit down and just have a conversation with myself. And then you're like, oh my God, this really affected me. Da, 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 da. And then you have to figure out how that happened. But for me, mental health in high school, in Western, that shit is a big deal. So, okay, so for me, mental health is something I'm still struggling with. Like, it's very hard for me to have a conversation about my mental health unless I feel like I'm in, I'm in a really safe space. And to get to a point where I feel really safe, you have to get to a point where you're extremely vulnerable to people. And then in Nairobi, in Kenya, especially like my group of friends at the time, you just don't start being vulnerable. You'll mm. be the one person in the car group when you're so you really don't have the opportunity to like express yourself and tell people around you how you actually feel. So you start coping differently. For me, may I just ignore? 
I just uh-huh. ignore, I ignore, I ignore Kabisa, and then it gets to a point where it really gets me down. And then picking yourself up is very hard. So for me, that's for, that's mine. That's like my own perspective with mental health in Kenya. To give you a definition of mental health, this includes our emotional, uh, physiological, and things revolving around our social well-being. I think that's that's like a good definition to just place on it. Hey, you're English. We're sorry. So for you guys in high school, do you ever struggle with, especially our system that are put in place that mental health is not something that's not talked about, or rather it's something that's brushed upon or seen as a taboo? Like you'd go to your parent and tell them, I need therapy. And they're like, is it crack? Like I've brought you up so well. I've given you all you need. I've taken you to school. You're in the best schools in the country, best school in the world. Why? Would you even be struggling with mental health? So for you guys, how was it navigating through that, both in Kenya and even there? Um, for starters, the things that I exhibited while in high school, for those who know me, um, they were symptoms, they were pronounced, and it was severe, and I never knew about it. Well, to give you context, when I was in Bush, I was this kid who was considered hyperactive, never settles down, he's always here or there, he's always just somewhere. And in fact, across... Hey, let me tell you, uh, Boniface used to give us pressure. <laughs> He even started our own lip hub club and we'd hey, be like, hey, Charlie, I don't know that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but that, that's the thing, like, um, all these things that were happening, um, like, you find, like, for me, it affected me in the, in the sense, especially from, from the learning perspective. When I was in class, I couldn't concentrate. And I used to struggle to understand why, because, I mean, these are things that I need to learn, right? The teachers on the board, and I would drift up in my mind, think about things. I used to, I, I was a very creative kid, and I'm still a creative kid. So I'll think about scenarios, things, take a word from what the teacher is saying, just think about things. And by the end of it, realize that I've not actually learned anything during that 40 minutes. So I end up going to study on my own. Studying on my own was like this. I go to the library, I sit down and I'm like, I tell my brain, we're actually going to study. We're going to read. And I'm like a book, read the first five pages, and then wonder about what happened in, in uh, Britain in 1735. Go on a... Um, on a rabbit hole, end up reading about other things and fail to read the things that I was reading. So you find like, I used to, this affected me in the long run, like all this compounded. And you find like a day before the exam is when I'm actually sitting down to study, right? So I'll end up being forced to pull an all-nighter to go and study. And of course, I've I had effects on my academic performance with letter lands. I was never among the best. I, was, uh, I proved myself in freshman year that, or uh, the first year when I, you know, got top 100, I was like, oh, I mean, the top quantile, that's good enough. I don't care about anything else. And ever since then, I never cared about education that much. I used to explore other things, entrepreneurship stuff, music, drama, all those things that excited me more, I will do them more than actually study. So that is how it affected me. But I will feel guilty because I'm like, I'm, I'm in Bush, I'm supposed to be here for academics, but I uh-huh. the academics themselves. So that's how it affected me. How are your folks reacting? that like now they're wondering mm. you bring all these accolades of science congress all those things but academics wanashanga eh from we took you to school to read but we're not seeing you know for my mom it was actually a very interesting conversation she never cared for the first year but the second year she was like what the heck is happening with this child of mine he was really smart in primary school but he's not doing as well in alliance and for me i used to tell my mom hey first of all you must realize that i'm in a school where pretty much everyone was the top in their districts so they had on me while in primary school and she she used, never used to do much about it but she would find she would call the teachers and be like what is happening trying to investigate is this kid interacting with a bad company when i go back at home i would get in trouble my, uh, my mom sits me down and you know and um like quarrels me and be like you need to study it's good for the future all those things and she felt like i was losing track or there was something wrong with me somewhere but she never knew what so she, sometimes she would take me to like bring a counselor quote-unquote the pastor sometimes she would just you know try to take me to tuition she would just find ways of trying to help me get to that zone where i can study but of course it frustrated her that she has to remind me and tell me these things when i'm i'm, I'm a smart kid i should be doing them autonomously so that's mm-hmm. how it happened for my mom and for you, Michelle, what's your side of the story? <laughs> Interesting. So for me, um, after finishing, obviously, class eight, 
umejibamba, you're going to form one. And then, oh, by the way, I was so smart. I think I'm not, I think I'm still smart, but no. You are. Thanks, Jay. Well, is really different. But anyway, so after um, class eight, and then you're going to form one, unapanda easy coach. I don't know if you guys, no, you guys don't relate to easy coach. My Western <laughs> people in this podcast, you know easy coach, or Masano. And come singer. Uh-huh. So at 8 a.m. you take a bus from Nairobi. Nine hours later you're in Punyore. The next time you're gonna be in Nairobi, Nikama, you're sick or almost dying. or it's an official break. Mafika from one, you're in Western. It's not like you don't know how to cope, but the environment around you is just smart people. And then you do the first mm-hmm. exam. shule enye. You're so used to being among the top. Not literally the top, but umezoeku among the top. And then you come here <coughs> to na struggle. You're struggling. I'm going to relate to your story. I can't even imagine the pressure that Busherians go through. You know, Sisi, Westerners, Alliance, you're Western. Struggle, struggle at your own level. Like, you know, you know the people that are with you. But so for me, like, Form one, I'll say after form one, and then I did my first exam. Hey, I'm not the top. And then my school has this thing about calling people in the front of the parade, and then they give them presents or whatever for being the best in their classes. Me, I never got those. And then it just uh-huh. messed me up. Form two, adolescence. Aye. Uh-huh. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> form three was uh-huh. the climax. Bro, I mean, go on, who's the Lord? Your parents' prayers were working. Wait, by then my mom's Overtime. prayers work. Hey, I still pray for this lady like every day. But like during the whole time, I wasn't really introduced to what like umetoka klazit unengia from one. You have to figure out how to do things on your own. Klazit umezoa and then you come yeah. into from one. You have to figure out everything like. You don't even have a good support system, like someone you can run to and tell this person, oh, I'm struggling in this. Because this teacher that you want to tell, he has other 50 people that are going through the same thing. And he just tells you it will phase out. Do this, do this. So you're struggle. You're just struggling. You don't realize you're struggling. You're just telling yourself, I'm going to tag it out. And then you're tagging mm-hmm. it out from two. You get you get a C in bio. You're just telling yourself, "I'm gonna tag it out." Later on, it messes you up. You give up on bio. Like, minute they fail bio. Nasi siri. I gave up on it. Niyazama C must, C must, C must, and I failed biology. Why? Because I wasn't given that space. Where as much as I'm struggling in these other aspects of my high school journey, no one really talked to me about how to integrate your social life in high school your academics and then your family like it's a whole thing like they really need mm-hmm. to have a conversation about how students can work out those three things together do we me me miracle miracles even as the cool kid you are hey, you know you know those parents when they when they um when they come to school like teachers have a list of things ulifanya during the whole term Unasemwa tu mama kwa nakasirika why she just even she even traveled ju unampea stress and you want to tell her what's actually going on but you don't have the right words to tell her because the environment enye umelelewa or the environment which has been provided to you you're a child you do what you're told bra you don't just start ranting as who as where as why as why unafanya kenye unaambiwa and that's the problem Una end up you grow up and you don't even know how to like express yourself because your environment. See? And and that's true, Michelle. Like I find it like sometimes we we Africans especially, we come from homes where we never talk about things, our failures. We only talk about our strengths, right? And you talking, having a conversation with the parent that you're struggling, but not on like reading or anything like that, so that you're struggling with something going on in your head. That, that conversation is never there. So you're always like, let's, I just have to be stronger. I just have to do more. But in real sense, these things are still affecting you and they're not allowing you to actually be stronger or to, you know, soldier on. It, 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 you're just piling up issues in the long run. 
Mm-hmm. Wait, there's another uh-huh. thing. And you're trying to tell them what's happening. And they're like, I see your cousin is in school as well. Why is this other person yeah. not complaining? Why are you complaining? What Pray makes you special? It. Pray about it. Eh? Just, just Pray talk about to it. Find peace. Find peace. Oh, Those are demons. Ibilisia na work against you. Mstana, go kneel and pray. And you're like, I just want to have a conversation. Like a decent conversation, but I just don't know how to articulate itself. So, una end up, where, me by the high school was a struggle. <laughs> you end up uh-huh. trying to figure out things on your own. And sometimes you stray away. And they still uh-huh. don't get it. But, you know what? You're being unruly. You just, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when i called my mom and i was like sister mom um so you know i've been told you have to come get me you know my mom told me can you imagine hey. i don't know she, okay she just told me that but she called my principal and she was like ah hi zirudi nairobi da, 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 or whatever but you know the suspension i deserved it you know that's a whole conversation <laughs> <laughs> deserve but kupewa uh, suspension and then you go back home i didn't end up going back to nairobi i had to go to my cousin's house and then akan rudisha shule um but that's at the closing of that time and you're sitting with your mom she's like this is not what our family does whoever says and the black sheep and you're like you guys don't understand i did this because this because this but they're like other people have done it wona dani wona dani as who as who <laughs> and then it was such You're a huge transition for me me it was a huge transition because after sas nilirudi shule nimenyolewa nyuele like that was the big deal ukienda sas my high school you kata yonyuele na mimi like changu na kaa basi nikinyoa it was a struggle it was a struggle lakini and then it starts affecting you in other ways sasa my confidence is low it's meant hey we survived like in kinyana squeeze ya mwezi jua here's the thing from this conversation that most of us struggled while in high school or have struggled throughout our lives with mental issues but we somehow have coping mechanisms that we have naturally created because we don't know what they are but they are coping mechanisms in the sense yeah. that if i like for someone like me if if i'm if i'm struggling with this i just pick up extracurricular activities things to distract me from tackling the real issue at hand if i like for michelle i'm pretty sure you got that sus because you did some things here and there to try and you know just be away from that stressful environment and things like that right yeah. so if i like that's what is happening currently in most of our high schools people mm-hmm. are struggling but then they're finding coping mechanisms some will try to appear cool um try to do some business not business exactly some will try to you know find crews to just associate themselves pretty much my observation yeah. and so for you guys what was the tipping point as you've said like in this african settings we tend to suppress this thing so you find other coping mechanisms and so for you guys first when did you actually look back and you're like yeah this is now i actually had mental health issues and when did you guys know that this is the tipping point and you actually couldn't qualify for therapy you need help or you need healthier ways to cope with whatever you've been through so for me the first time i i i thought of maybe i had a mental issue um when i finished high school i never went to uni straight i took a gap year of about 2 years and during that period Ooh. yeah i i i i literally i felt like we, when we were in school we were in this and we were in this bubble that kind of should let you from the real world we d- we didn't know how the real world functioned and for me to get out of school and get into this world i didn't have tools that will make me excel this outside um so during my gap year i was doing a lot of things here and there and i think that's adhd itself you, you can never stick to one thing at the same time so month after month i was trying that starting that building that working for that one all over all those stuff and it reached a point where i just wanted to be home just chill uh listen to music like just be away from everyone and everything of that sort and that that was the first time i i i, I had that commercial about mental health like how is it that i was so motivated i was doing so well according to other people in the other eyes in their eyes 
But then all of a sudden, it's as if I feel like I'm crippling. It's as if I don't, I don't know how I got here. I can't find something that will just motivate me or make me happy. And that happened. And for me, I think I just found coping mechanisms for myself at that point. And it was more of, you know, just pick up a new hobby, pick up something new to start. And that's when I started doing this application for college and all that stuff. Uh, but now, fast forward, before I give my experience in college, I'll fast forward to this quarantine period. It's when it became evident that there's something definitely wrong somewhere and I do not have control over that thing. In the sense that now we're doing things out of volition. You're not being forced. There's no strict calendar that you have to be at this place at this exact time, the way like life was before quarantine. It's you to wake up and to open Zoom or just watch the recording later. And I felt like I was struggling with these tasks. They felt so mundane. Um, things like going down to prepare myself and watch over my personal hygiene. It's not like I didn't shower or anything else, but I felt like that was such a struggle. <laughs> I, I felt like it was such a struggle, like some things like doing laundry, dishes. I felt like it was so hard. Some things like just opening Zoom and actually just sitting down and look at the professor and take notes. It felt so hard, harder than normal. And I started noticing, I, I, I'm very self-conscious. So I started noticing my productivity just going down I started noticing that I'm not even trying to reach out to friends. Like I was distancing myself. I was actually like drawing away from people. It's as if I was creating my own world bubble where I assumed everything is right. And after a while, I was like, my productivity is going down low. I'm seeing my performance somewhat taking a dip. I am seeing my work, my projects, projects that I used to do in a week, they're taking now a month. And I was like, I actually need to talk to someone who deals with these issues to find what's what's wrong, right? But at the same time, like the thing that made me actually now try to seek out therapy was when I struggled with these things that I mentioned, especially concentrating in class. But then I could sit down and create music for 12 hours and forget lunch and forget, like not feel hungry, forget where my phone is, forget where things are. Like I could sit down and do this one thing and be hyper-focused on it. Or if I find a very interesting topic, I could stay here for hours diving deep into every single minor detail. And um, that's when I decided to just, you know, let me, let, me, let me be a strong person by myself and actually call up the counseling center at Lehigh and ask them, is something wrong? And that's when they're like, actually, why don't you go to like a psychiatrist? And that's when, like, when I went there and I was like, hey, dude, you might actually have this. And she was like, oh? Um, I was like, tell me about your life in general. And I was like, oh, this has been happening. I, I just don't concentrate. What I do is I wait for when the task is, the deadline is here so I can do it. And I do it really well because I'm under pressure. I work best under pressure. And um, they're like, oh yeah, you have it. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about that life in general, but that, that realization of quarantine, like you're alone, you cannot lie to yourself. There are no people, there are no other things that you can pick up to distract yourself from this. Um, is when I realized that something is definitely wrong and I have to get it checked out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For Michelle? Anyway, for me, I've never really got into a space where I, I can actually acknowledge that I struggled with mental health. Like, I, I haven't given myself that opportunity to, like, talk to myself and be like, oh, yeah, you're struggling, you need to seek help. Like, I haven't gotten to that point. But the good thing is I'm aware, like, my stress levels get high when I'm struggling. Um, my house is messy when I'm struggling. It's just the tiny, small things that you do that are kind of out of your schedule or system that make you that that you notice and you're like oh shoot i need to calm down i need to slow down and start doing this but you know me being the strong woman that i am which is really bad strong black woman <laughs> <laughs> just Excellent. that word being a strong black woman it doesn't give you it blocks you out from a lot of things, especially when you're trying to acknowledge the heart, um, when you're stressed, when you want to be vulnerable, and when you're actually not strong. I'm not saying if you're struggling with mental health, you're not strong. But in this society, in my own personal life, it just doesn't give me the space to do that. 
So I've never mm-hmm. really gotten to a point where I'm like, oh shit, this is really bad. I need to seek help or whatever. But the good thing is I'm aware when these things happen and when I need to pause, I pause. Like you have to take a break when you have to take a break. The good thing is me, I'll say in Kenya, nikujikaza. Unachokea wapi? How? Where? For who? Ate, in this economy. <laughs> I think I've said that I've said that line so many times. Like in Kenya, I wouldn't have really noticed it because I'd be like, ah, sinikungangana, we move regardless. But then coming yeah. here and then conversations about mental health is is an actual thing. Like they literally enroll you to a class to talk to you about mental health. They'll make follow-ups on how you're doing or whatever. That's really different. And I think it should be normalized in Kenya, especially Komadim. We mm-hmm. need to be talked to. Now, this thing about calling women strong women, we are strong, but you need to give us a, a small space. Ever see me doing mm-hmm. science as if you all can see me? <laughs> doing, like, you need to give your women some space where they can be vulnerable. It's not every other time that you want your women to be strong for you all, to be strong for mm-hmm. everyone else, but the, for them themselves. Mm-mm. And it starts at a really young age. From yeah. I think at the age age of ten, unambiwa tag it out, tag mm-hmm. it out at the age of ten, brah. I don't know how to do that. And then mm-hmm. you grow up. Now you're nineteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. You're still tagging it out. And then when everything comes, clapping you one by one, it messes you up. So me now, I'm still struggling. Sijafika your points, uh-huh. and yeah, I need to go to the hospital, but I think I have to. Jungagi, ameni mbia. I think he sees me from a different side. So if he mentions something, maybe I'm on a kitchen. Like him in Gangi, where some time now? But here's the thing like, <laughs> Michelle is an example of someone who has very healthy me- coping mechanisms. So, you know, mental health has a t- tipping point when you can now not control it. But Pretty much everyone has stress, right? Yeah. Everyone experiences some aspect of mental health. It, it affects pretty much everyone. So it's up yeah. to you how you cope it. When you feel like you cannot cope it well really enough, you can, you know, go to a therapist and read the answer. And sometimes you don't really have to go to a therapist just because, like, you're struggling. Sometimes it's like, especially during this quarantine period, you might want actually to talk to someone who can help you create some good coping mechanisms. It's not necessarily... Wrong. They just give you like an extra layer of mechanisms. Had these conversations with our parent that in case you're stressed beyond your beyond normal levels, you can do this, you can do mm-hmm. that, you can do that, you can do this. In case you feel like you have some, you're anxious or anything of that sort, you can do this, you can do that, right? So, so for me, when I tell someone, hey, you know, they may be tell me that they're struggling on something. I'm like, you know, just go to a therapist. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It just means like. You, you will get an extra layer of skills that you never had before yeah. better in the future. Mm. I think, again, everyone needs therapy. And with our African really? mindset, you always think therapy is this mind-reading person. Rich people gonna... business. Rich people, <laughs> Rich people problems. problems. <laughs> or white people problems. White people. <laughs> You're like, therapy? How? Because hey, I feel like there's a, there's a set of issues all of us have, right? Probably all of us that we never talk to with anyone, right? Childhood traumas. Yeah. Yeah. But you can talk to them to a therapist and they they will never tell it to anyone. You'll not feel judged by your friend or anything. It's just like someone, like that priest that you might need to just tell stuff. But Mm -hmm. it really makes a difference because in the US, like you can get a therapist ASAP. It just kohoa, a therapist comes up. But in Kenya, like these resources are not readily available. Like say I think going to a therapist you have to go to a couple of sessions, Ama. Yeah. So you know our schools have like those offices. Yeah, schools, yeah. yeah schools do have them, but I'm thinking about Kenya in general. I know mm-hmm. there are therapists in Kenya, but you just I don't know, it's the environment and then how much is it? Is it affordable mm-hmm. for someone to like go to therapy? You know, it's, it's supposed to be pocket friendly. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be it's really pocket friendly. Atakama people are saying go to your guidance and counseling office, um, officer up or high school or to the church, or there's the stigma that comes in as well. So unless we figure out how to cut off the stigma. Yeah. Mental health in Kenya is just black and white 
from most hey. it's just it's either that you're you, or you're crazy or you're not mm-hmm. so mental health is exactly. just that thing when we don't realize that it's actually a spectrum that you know there's so many things are under just mental health and to us so i think yeah. like yeah. having that conversation from the perspective that it could be a lot of things happening in your life that you don't know and then mm-hmm. the things the coping mechanisms normal kenyans come with we move regardless we move you guys do you know kenyans drink so much and you know that thing me personally i feel like it's actual real alcoholism like people yeah. need help but you know we only say sherehe but we people need exactly help and it doesn't, it doesn't can't drink every day uh-huh. mm-hmm. it doesn't really I just think... affect kenyans in kenya <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Akioka kutana na Maju. Achana nao. Fresh money and me with the fresh. Inakuja premium setting. Hiyo kutanga in default. Everything you've learned about alcohol in Kenya, it just cancels. Jupia fresh ya Kenya wako Maju na pombe. Sherehe mtu anapanda ndege. Unakunywa That's a coping mechanism. Unapata like they get into sherehe because we used to in case you're feeling low, go to the bar. If uh-huh. in case you're feeling bad, in case you're feeling happy, like we don't know how to, to coping mechanisms, so we always like, oh, I'm so stressed. This. Ah, mapoi na kuasha, tukati. Rent imefika, tukati. Tukati. I've lost a family man. Tukati. Pesa kidogo imefika kwa account, tingisha, tingisha, tukati. Hey, umepoteza family member, let's drink. Tukati. We are celebrating, let's drink. So I'm quitting alcohol. Let's drink. The next round. It's a whole cycle and it's being normalized in Kenya. Kama ukunywi pombe, wesi ukoaje like unadunini na maisha yako kwa nini una maisha in fact you don't have friends <laughs> no. at this point you don't have on friends on a daily basis mm ah kwanza watu wa juja njoo nilikuwa juja they coming for you ah msijome sijachoma i like it juja juja was such an an interesting part of my life lakini pombe nilikunywa huko That's one point I, I wouldn't want to go back. Like if I can retrace my steps, I'm just like, mm-mm. Mimi mgonjwa. Hiyo school unasema naenda CU. I want to ask Chalo, mm-hmm. for him like you see for a lot of us probably even as Michelle said, for many people they know probably they are facing something or having a sort of mental illness mm-hmm. but don't want to come to terms with it. You know how the reality hits hard like mm-hmm. when for example you have ADHD. Mm-hmm. The D, the last D in ADHD stands for disorder and so when you think of disorder you're like I really don't want to be associated with that and so I'd rather not get diagnosed so I'd rather just try tag it out myself wing it so for you how did you actually come to terms that I don't really care what happens I just need the help itself because a lot of people I've talked to they'll say I know I'm probably having depression but hearing it from a therapist that I actually have depression will hit me different so for you how was that like So for me I can say like for for anyone with ADHD they know that our minds work different and you will notice it from a very young age in the sense that you feel like your life is on autopilot but you're not the pilot you're the co-pilot but other people you're still doing really really well and all that stuff so for me I always knew that there was something amiss somewhere I don't know what it is but constantly growing up I've always been trying to find it because I'm always like why is it that when I, someone is talking to me I just drift off into my world or why is it that I interrupt someone when I talk and I know that's not right but I cannot do anything about it why is it that I find it so hard to cling or do the simple tasks in routine why is it that I find it hard to stick to routines I've, I've been punished about it and I'm, it's it's as if I'm not changing so to me I feel like I've always known that there's things there's something wrong somewhere so for me it reached that point when I I get I I got the intuition that it might be ADHD. I felt like finally I'm relieved because I can give it a name, right? So mm-hmm. I was actually really relieved the psychiatric depth and they confirmed it because now I could actually tackle the real issue. So for me I was happy because mm-hmm. I know it's labeled, it's confirmed and I know these are the symptoms. Now let's find coping mechanisms 
and of course treatment to help combat so that I can live my life to the fullest or to the best of my capabilities. Mm -hmm. So for me, I never saw it as a bad thing because if it's a disorder, it just means that I can never get away, get rid of it. Even if I like it, it's going to be there every single day. It's going to manifest itself in my life. It's going to affect my life in very many facets. And I feel like I've been struggling with outside just education. It's, it goes to your relationships. It goes to how people perceive you. It goes to a lot of things. It goes to how you handle love, how you care about people. Like it's so much that I felt like it was overwhelming that when I finally could find a solution to it, I was, I was happy. So I feel like mm -hmm. I was in a happy space now that I know what it is. That's, that's it. And have you ever experienced like guys marginalizing? Is there any marginalizing like, uh, guys, your friends have to work on eggshells and you tell them you have ADHD. And so they're like, eh, well, you know, um, like they can't say some things around you or not stuff really. like that. Not really. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very glad that I got an opportunity to be in America because American mm -hmm. society it's a very caring society as much as there are some people who are not really good. And when it comes to mental health, especially things like ADHD, for as long as you're under treatment, why would you treat me differently? Like, I'm now normal, just like you. But it's for you, for me, I turn kind of reaction, but I've gotten that reaction. Are you doing well in school? Blah, 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 blah. Or stuff like that. I'm like, no, nah, I'm doing well and all that stuff. Don't worry about it. So I felt like as soon as I told most of my friends, they, they they now understood why I did some things, if you get what I said, as opposed yeah. to them trying to be soft about it. They're now like, oh, that explains a lot of things. And I'm happy that you told me. I'm not going to treat you any differently. You're not a neg. But I will now acknowledge that in case, you know, you miss, you forget to meet up, you forget that, that I know your mind works different, but I've not seen like a change in behavior and how people treat me. It's a ditch like, mm -hmm. what are you going to change? I'm, I'm just yeah. still the same fun person who's hyper. Yeah. And even now to Michelle, I think <laughs> with this thing of the strength of a woman, with this mental health issue, we've actually seen that probably men are the weak agenda because you yeah. see suicide rates in men increase on a daily. And that's worldwide. It's not actually in a specific part of the world, even in Kenya. Every other day on the news, on the radio, you hear about a man who took his life because of a job, because stress. And now men can't come up and tell each other, we need to help each other. But now for women, you've now had to take the baggage of both the men, yourselves, the children. So for you guys, how is that like? Like, do you think it's something to be proud of, like the strength of a woman? Or as you said earlier, we let you guys be vulnerable a bit, you know, to mm -hmm. watch some leeway. Hey, soft life, soft life, soft life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's important you mentioned about suicide, especially regards to men. As a person, hey, it's for me. If someone comes to me and says, "I'm struggling in this," I listen. I listen to you. And if if I have, hey, me, I'm a bad advisor. Don't take advice from me. But <laughs> if someone asks, if, if someone actually acknowledges that they're struggling in mental health and it's a guy, it's really important to actually listen because it takes them a lot of guts. Yeah. And then they're just acknowledging, I'm struggling in this, I'm struggling in this, and I might need help, right? But sometimes mm -hmm. they tell the wrong people, I'll say. And Unambiwa, Kama Dim, Mbenye. Mbenye is still a word used. But it's not Mbenye. What's that word? Aye, I'm doing Mbenye, Ukona Mbenye. Ukona Mbenye. Is it Mbenye? That was that's a Sijui class word saying. That was a class three. Mbenye is still a word. No. <laughs> okay, just explain to the listeners. Labda Lewi. Benye is gossip. Udabu. For me, for me, when I was growing up, that's how we were saying. If some, if a guy comes and tells you, "Oh, I'm struggling in this," and then you are the safe space, and then you you go to your group of girls, you're like, "Hey, this person is struggling with mental health," and then that group of girls still tells another group of girls, and then it finally gets to this boy. Just imagine how that impact would be. And then these other boys' friends see this, and maybe they're also struggling with a similar situation. They won't talk about it. Suicide will be the mm -hmm. last resort. As much as we want to be there ourselves and for other people, I think it's important to draw the line where the limit is. Like, mm -hmm. and you feel like you can't help, 
the best you can do is try to is try to like find available resources or someone you trust to have a conversation with this person because i'm your friend i'm not a psychologist i can't fix what you're going through but at least i can help you get some resources to just give you that support system right that way yeah. you're not overburdening me with your issues because i'm also going with through my own issues but if we have a conversation with that maybe an adult or a professional it actually lifts up the burden kidogo i'm not saying it's gonna mm. work i'm not saying it's the best solution but it's gonna work so it's a is it a two-way you know a two-way guy me english it's a two-way situation either this happens uh -huh. or this happens but either way one has to happen yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Before I forget, we need to talk. Uh, before she talks about the women part, um, our society, our African society, especially nearly all our tribes, men are placed in this pedestal where they're supposed to be the strong figures. Yeah. Where they're supposed, even our society in general, where we're supposed to be, you know, the iron fists, the people who face problems silently. And it, 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 it affects a lot of men because when they struggle, they can never come out and actually talk. They can never have the conversation because who, who wants to see a weak man? And they don't want to be yeah. seen as a weak man. And I feel like a lot of men in Africa tend to bottle their issues until it reaches a point where they cannot handle it anymore. They cannot do anything about it. But they will still avoid to seek remedies to their problems because they don't want to be seen as weak and to them they'll just be like you know what i'm done with this life i'm a failure i've not done well all these issues just lead them to a point of suicide and i think that's why uh, the rates are rising because men are, were never taught that they can be weak we only taught that you should be strong you should be the man you know true yeah and society really propagates that because i was doing a research and i was asking some of my female friends if a man a man wanted he, he like he becomes vulnerable with you and cries in front of you would you still want that man and shockingly as much as we talk about these things mental health a lot of them said rosafi like in all honesty i wouldn't want a man who cries because who is the man now who's the man in this house is it me or is it you know i think her? that plays a role in giving gender roles because mm -hmm. like um i think the problem is gender roles there's the gender female male but it's like the gender roles and yet roles unapewa as a female like you just assigned some specific roles from birth when a day you must know how to cook you must know how to be back kids you must know how to do things you're a man you have to be strong you have to um start to learn how to feed your family and you don't even have this girlfriend you have to learn to be strong that's my main point the problem is PFC, we know the things we're supposed to do that society accepts and the things men are supposed to accept. Unless we learn how to change this cycle of gender assigning, no, assigning gender roles, mental health and other issues. Mm -hmm. And their religion, religion also plays a role in mental health, directly or indirectly. Someone is stressed out, but because their religion did this or does not accept this, they can't do something. You see, mm -hmm. unless we actually hit this head on in all aspects. There's little to no change that can happen, but it's important for people to understand their triggers. Like know what triggers you, learn how to cope. And yeah, just acknowledge you're going through things. Like it's so normal. It's so normal to struggle. Unless you won't, unless you acknowledge that you're going through something, or a struggle, now, Rudy, mm. because you don't know, you, you know something is happening, but you don't want to acknowledge something is happening. You just be tearing to chums. Yeah. Avoiding what's actually happening. But my parting shot, guys. And also, we must acknowledge that religion is not the solution to all of our problems. Mm -hmm. Praying is just postponing the real issue. You have not, you have not mm -hmm. fixed it. God will not come into your brain and make it go away. Yeah. Uh, God will not come and take your depression away or anxiety away. Everything is only hormones. Yeah, you, you need to seek professional care. And I think religion is also has contributed to a lot of mental health uh, issues within our continent. And the fact that a lot of people in churches, let's look at churches, 
it was even like people have this pressure of appearing successfully every other single time especially mm-hmm. in these churches this uh, what do you call them these churches uh, this manskina the the redeemed those kind of churches what they call ever ever evangelical or whatever where where people you know you're celebrating buying cars buying houses and that 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 culture has made a lot of people to bottle their issues because who wants to go to church and be seen as the one being prayed for having demons or having problems no one mm-hmm. they just want to come here oh girl oh i did that and you find like they do a lot of things to make that happen they take loans to buy a car you're taking a loan to buy a house you're taking loans to look good you're living outside your budget and that affects you in the long run because your finances are going to be bad and going to be stressed about it and boom it's like a cycle of going through problems to try and have this facade of a happy blessed human being forget mm-hmm. what i mean so now when you entered university and i know you guys your universities are very intense in terms of your coursework i've done a podcast episode on it like the moment you step in school it's you know it's on site it's not at ikuna orientation let's be medali for the first week the second week one lecturer will come the second week maybe two you know you've been in juja you've seen this hey wait juja mamia na naomba mungu we thank the lord kwa mimi ni miracle mnadhani joke eh so like now in university how it was intense and now you have your whole school work piling up you have now to deal with all these things how was it for you and now that the topic there with mental health is more open did you feel like you had to did you were you very accepting of it very welcoming of the concept of mental health or are you still with probably the african mindset of hey let me chill a bit with this thing these are white people problems <laughs> uh-huh. i go when you spotlight but first semester like first semester of college everything was everything was just so wrong culture shock hey i have this accent ya bunyore ya nairobi ya being just kenyan yeah hey and i'm trying to articulate my words alafu una try kutwang watu wasikulize what what so many times mhm it messes you up literally first semester was a huge struggle and then come in and then there's the winter ai Jehovah. Yeah. <laughs> soft life. I remember soft life at that point wasn't even applicable. Then you have a job, you have to figure a lot of things. But I think I'm really grateful because in my school personally, we have for international students like we have a mental health day. They reach out to you and ask you how you are. Um they recommend places to go. It's just this they don't seclude you like how to point out where when mgonjwa go to this like they send it to a, like a general list of and then you decide whether you want to go and i'm really grateful i attended i think two or three and they just make you aware of the things mm-hmm. that's why i was talking about triggers like you know what triggers you you know what are the signs that you're struggling you know when you when you actually acknowledge or know what you're struggling no when you're struggling and what you do when you're struggling it's really easy for you to handle it like acknowledge it mm-hmm. and then work on it that was the main point acknowledge it then work on it like in this a hey strong woman african she does azungu mia zinifiki niona i saw fire i saw fire me like it's just hard juggling everything cuz umetoka home ujaikuwa na job and then you're coming here you have intense coursework you have a job you still have to make friends because if you don't make friends you'll never have friends like that's on period out of equal friends mm-hmm. and it's really frustrating when you don't have friends and then you have the accent so your confidence is chini hey it's a struggle it's a struggle but me i'm grateful because i had a good support system like the kenyans who are here they knew like they knew what was happening so they'll reach out to me and ask me how is this going how is this going what are you doing da da da, da. you can do this you can do this it's my support system that helped me survive through and then kuna magal they was a worry i don't even know about zawadi those girlfriends god bless their hearts wanajijua 
Sijui nitaje majina lakini nitakuwa mpukusu already. But then mimi shout out. Ni shout out. Unajua ni radio. Sorry miko ashiri kutoka portion mid. Na ule mwingine Ni radio bali. Ni shout out. Ni shout out. <laughs> my su- my support system was really good and it's really important to like create a good foundation of your support system and your when you're going through something you let them know like hawata kujudge choose your friends wisely siwa kukata too much na uweze mlilia ukitaka pesa okay si ukitaka pesa ukitaka kuongea ukitaka kuongea you know there are those friends you just call them ukitaka share kuna friends wa share kuna nyo mnaenda vita na wao alafu kuna nyo mnaenda maombi na wao those are two three different people but if you find all of them in one person or in a few and you make a group ah you are fine you'll be fine you mm-hmm. survive you'll tag it out ah tag it ah. don't tag it out don't tag it out that's a bad advice but it is what it is it's your girl michelle sia and i'm exit And so for you Chalo you told us you tell us your story on university now that you took your two year break and now entered uni so how was it like entering a uni in one of the best universities mm-hmm. with all the pressures from back home of obviously because where when the mtoto wa kijiji you know the one who went to alliance the one now who went to the land of opportunities so for you how was it now with the mental health and now juggling between now school work and all of that That's a good question. Um as soon as I got to the to the uh, post high school of course I mean I was very happy and I took time to learn a, a lot of things about myself. So that's that's the greatest thing that I had. I had some learnings that I knew about myself and kept, I knew my strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff. So when I got to college uh, my first semester I remember it was a it was a very different world for sure. For one I was used to familiar faces, familiar things, familiar cultures, familiar experiences and it was a very steep learning point. Because I was trying to learn about how the world around me works, and also trying to learn my my schoolwork, you know. And I'm also trying to you know navigate through work and everything of that sort. So I felt like it was a little bit overwhelming at some point because you know I'm trying to make friends. I'm trying to have a group of people that I'll be um, I'll be happy spending time with. At the same time, I'm learning this topic that was outside my interest zone especially in my first year because I took I went into a program that I was not actually enjoying it but I just wanted to you know be in it because one I, I as you said I'm that kijana kijiji so when I come here you don't expect me to take easy classes right I want to prove to myself that we <laughs> need alliance boy I can do it all so uh-huh. um I was very stressed during my first semester and um, as I said I was struggling to concentrate it kind of affected my education a little bit but i can't say that much because i mean i still pulled a 3.5 with without like doing a lot of assignments and without concentrating in class or anything like that so i felt like I, somehow my coping mechanisms were working but not as great as they should have been working um mm-hmm. so second semester it got a little bit more stressful because content gets harder the more you stay in school and at that point i am not keeping up with assignments on time because i forget that's adhd for you you forget that you have this task and you'll prioritize things that you shouldn't be doing at that time but to you they feel like, like they're so necessary you li- you literally forget yeah you forget you if you don't write it down you completely i won't forget. even think about it because i'll be engaged with like the thing is adhd is just let's just say you're, you're chasing dopamine every other single time that's the thing mm-hmm. is has does is not doesn't have sufficient um dopamine so every time you find something rewarding you will you will go for it because it rewards you right so if it's mm-hmm. let's say you know that there's an assignment here and at this other side there's a new bit that you found that's really cool your brain will go for this one and not this one because this one will reward you more so it's hard to put yeah. your interest on things um so you find like i was forgetting a lot of things or oh, remember the assignment before you go to class and you're like oh we had an assignment damn so uh, and I, i didn't have good copy mechanisms because i didn't write things down i didn't put things in my calendar i didn't do all those things so that semester was awful third semester now i'm i'm starting to realize that there's something really wrong and it's really affecting me too 
achieve things to my best capability and I really need to get that fixed. And um, there's a fact that I started dating at that point, but you find like I was only staying like a month with a chick because I'm, I'm, I'm bored with them already. I want to meet someone else. So if I like, I was just up and about every other time and it was really affecting my life. And as we head into quarantine, it, it, you know, everything just fell down to myself because I was always brushing it off. I was, I was always doing the other thing instead of tackling the real thing, if you get around. Mm-hmm. So, and like, how did it affect your relationship as well? So, first of all, we need to understand that ADHD is just not a learning disorder. It's a disorder that affects your life in every single front. By definition, ADHD is a neuro a development disorder, mostly in childhood. It, it starts appear in childhood, right? So when we have paying attention, we 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 have trouble controlling our impulse behavior, right? Uh, how it affected it it manifests itself in every single sphere of your life, work, relationship, and everything. In relationships, you find that you're meeting someone and you feel like you love them. And that's why ADHD mm-hmm. people love they they love to death. And when you foresee, uh-huh. a, oh, and most ADHD people have reject sensitive dysphoria, so that means that small things that like things like criticism breakups feel like your whole life is falling apart if you get what i mean so yeah yeah. so for me is every time i foresee that the relationship is not as good as it should be right or i foresee signs of it ending i jeopardize everything at that moment and you know that relationships Mm -hmm. are not always ups there are some points where you have downs so for me the first down that i get i'm just like oh my god it's gonna end oh my god i'm gonna be sad oh my god this is bad oh no no no. what do we do end it so that's how it affected my relationships in terms of normal relationships with people i cannot i I'm, i consider myself a low maintenance i will not try to actively maintain it and you'll feel like i don't care if we talk i'll only talk about uh-huh. my interests i will stop you when we're having conversation and interrupt you Right, so you feel like I'm inattentive. Mm-hmm. It's as if I don't care, and that inattentiveness is people perceive it as he doesn't care about me. He's not a good friend because yeah. he always just talking about things that are exciting you, and you're interrupting them, and you're not. It's as if you're not listening to them when you're in conversations. You're drifting off. It's as if you don't wanna talk to them, right? And if you're not talking to them, and you know all these things, communication, they perceive it as he doesn't care, he doesn't love. So that's how, like, for me, it has affected my relationships in general. And now that you're aware of that, is it something that you try actively stop? Or is it beyond your control? I like nearly a month ago. Um, so personally, I just got into treatment. So it was, uh, let me have to give you a context of how an ADHD brain. So there are many thoughts going on at once, many things happening at once in your life. Like you're always thinking about many things. You're not able to like about one thing straight. So for me, it calmed me down, right? So now, mm-hmm. if I have a calm mind that can think about one thing at the same time, I can be able to control, and also I'm impulsive, so I can control the impulsivity with it. So I'm not interrupting people. Yeah. That's The drug is helping me. It's coping with everything, literally. So I'm not interrupting mm-hmm. people. I'm doing my work on time. I have motivation to do work. I can sleep. I can have conversations with no, normal people. I can care more. I can love without having to love my heart out. If you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And is loving your heart out a bad thing? Yes, it is. Because, you know, there's normal, there's, I don't know, I don't know. Because there's a very different, there's a very big difference between an, an, any medicated ADHD brain and a medicated one. When you're not medicated, it feels like it's your life. You get, it feels like you need to devote a lot of effort and energy towards it. You feel like when you love this person, other things don't matter, right? And you, you know that you're you're struggling with regulating your attention in the first place. So you can imagine now when you put your attention on that one person, your friends cannot take, you know, the back seat. Your family takes yeah. the back seat. Your other social things take a back seat. Your interest, you're not even mm-hmm. pers- so that's how it's bad. For other people, you know, you can still know that oh, you love that person, but you can still do other things. You can still hang out people mm-hmm. you can still try to meet new people you can still um you know have the same level of relationships with every other people the way they were but at this cheap rate switches mm-hmm. it becomes this one is top priority the rest are not so it's a it's like uh-huh. so it's like it's either it's an extreme level like it's all about extremes if you get what i mean 
Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. how it feels like. And it's really crippling in many ways, to be honest. And one thing you haven't mentioned is something about all my friends who I know have ADHD. They are extremely smart people, like for some reason. And you've not mentioned that. Does it affect you? Uh, your intellect, I won't say academically, but your intellect and stuff like that. Uh, we'll talk about it actually from all spheres, to be honest. So this, mm-hmm. I've also like noticed it. It doesn't mean that everyone who has ADHD is extremely smart. It doesn't mean that. But I find like these people are very passionate about things, right? So mm-hmm. they can, if they find a topic that interests them more, a lot, they will they will learn as much as possible about it. And they love sharing yeah. the ideas. They can communicate the ideas really well. And you find like an ADHD brain cannot focus on one thing for long, right? So you find like they're always learning new stuff every other time, right? So compounded, yeah. they are more knowledgeable most of the times because their brain just forces them to be extremely curious, you know, to go mm-hmm. out and seek other things. And they learn a lot. And you find like they're really smart because, I mean, I don't want to use myself as an example, but if I'm like my peers who have ADHD, <laughs> my peers who have ADHD, when they don't have the medication, right, they will not study for nearly the whole semester. But the night mm-hmm. before that exam, they can hyper-focus and learn all that stuff you learned in a whole semester and do extremely well in an exam and still retain that knowledge. So... Yeah, most of them are wow. really smart, which you, I, I I have to say. What are some of the other uh, pros of you know? I mean, ADHD. Oh, actually, that's a good question. Let me let me find you. Uh, pros of it's, it's really interesting. When we, oh, I mean, we we are we, we, we are seen as more caring than other people, by the way, because when we we're interested in something, we will devote a lot of time towards it. And if it's a relationship or a friendship, we, we tend to put a lot of attention to it. Um, we're really fun people, by the way, because we are doing mm-hmm. all every other things. And most of ADHD people are artistically gifted. So you find we are very interesting people because we are always talking about new things or random things or crazy things. We are hyper people. We are full of energy. When I come into a room, you will recognize I am there, not because I want you to. Mm-hmm. But because the energy that I have naturally as a person forces you to see me. We are very confident. We are mm-hmm. very passionate, as I said. Uh, we're very entrepreneurial. So we always want to solve things. We want to find solutions. Uh-huh. So if I'm like, we sit down somewhere and I see something amiss, oh, my brain will switch mm-hmm. to that and try to solve it because it's distracting me and I need to feel like I need to find a solution to it. So even as we wind up, I've seen all along the podcast, you've been a strong advocate for fast people going for therapy. So I want to tell us why is that? So like, why have you become such a strong advocate for that? And what even are your last sentiments as we wind up? Oh, yes, strong advocate. But it's my advice that if you can and you have resources to, please do, because it doesn't hurt to get an extra year. You might, especially for Africans, you might not realize that some of the things will be mental health issues. So I feel like once in a while, if you feel like, you know, there's something you don't know what it is, just talk to a therapist. They, they are there professionally to help you tackle. So that's why I, I, I tell people to do that. Um, my parting shot is just more advice to especially people who went to Bush and who went, like just people who have finished college, but mostly get towards Bush areas. Um, um, when you come here, don't lie to yourself. That's the first thing I need to tell people. Don't lie to yourself. Don't put yourself in a space that please some people. Life rewards people who are passionate about things that they care about. And uh, do what interests you. Don't lie to yourself. Take care of yourself in every single sphere. If you feel like you need to be away from people, be away from people. If you feel like you need a vacation or rest, try things outside what you know. Um, challenge yourself. And most importantly, don't compare yourself yourself when you come here, when you see other people, maybe at other great schools, achieving on LinkedIn, they're posting their achievements, they're doing all these things. Don't compare yourself. Uh, there's one I'm saying that there's no defined path in life that can be said if you go this route, you become successful. Most people who are successful right now, it's because they took paths that were not seen as common. So if you feel like this, you feel like you want to pursue it, don't shy off from pursuing it just because you want to fit into the mold of what society considers successful. There's no defined path. So mm-hmm. don't put pressure yourself to, 
oh dear at mckinsey at the at your junior year or something that sort maybe you should have worked in a in an in entrepreneurial cells where you could have had a lot of impact so always have your own success metrics and don't exactly use other people's achievements as a success metric if you get what i mean i get i get so thank you so much for hopping on the podcast and thank you listeners for reaching this far i think they've clearly brought out what their sentiments are and i love that we're actually having this conversation in this african setting and you guys are actually shedding more light as you guys have been on both sides of the planet here in the land of opportunities and they're telling us how much these things actually affect us and how we need to actually seek help rather than find our alcoholic coping mechanisms or other unhealthy coping mechanisms that a lot of people have and so with that i think we are done just with me and hope to see you guys next week can't wait to hear your insights and cheers Thank you.